Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Welcome to this latest episode. I am Jeremy, your host, and this week we welcome Jason Gleason from the band Further Seems Forever, Action Reaction, and Old Wives. Jason and I go back uh, probably 15 or so years when I booked Action Reaction um, uh, in Wichita, and uh, just a really cool conversation, cool opportunity to talk to somebody I've known for a little bit, and uh, just an awesome conversation about the record how to start a fire from further seems forever which is a, a game changer for me personally and uh just a cool conversation about uh him growing up and all the bands that he's been in and the tours and just cool stories all overall so i hope you really enjoy this latest episode with jason gleason hey jason so stoked to have you on the podcast thanks so much for joining me man Stoked, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. How are you doing, man? What's what's new with you? Ooh, since the last time we saw each other, which would have probably been about, oh God, 15 years ago. Yeah, at least. Just at least. a couple, just a couple of things. <laughs> um, I got a new hairdo. Uh yeah. Same hair. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um no, man. So, so many things. Uh, obviously, I uh, I don't play as much music anymore. Uh, to, to 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 my own chagrin, uh, sure. if, if you will. But uh, no, man. I've had a couple careers. Went to school. Um, I uh, I work in uh, I work in economic development now. Um, work for a nonprofit uh, as executive director of a business improvement district in New Jersey, uh, helping out. Um, Got to represent nearly 500 businesses, uh, actually a little over 500 businesses in a, in a downtown, uh, in a town called Montclair in New Jersey. Um, and, um, yeah, man, just loving life. That's awesome. I can't complain. Yourself? That's, I'm, uh, yeah, I live living in Florida now and, uh, just got remarried six years ago this year. Actually, yeah, six years is crazy. Got a brand new house, got an amazing job. I can't complain, man. I really, really am in a good spot. I mean, I just, yeah, yeah. It's been a great couple of years. It was, it was a rough ten years before that, but now Florida. we're Florida, at Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Okay, Florida. all right, yeah. All right. Have you played down here? Oh yeah, probably what? Uh, Fuel Coffee House or Jackrabbits or definitely Jackrabbits. Yeah, a couple of times. Um, and then I don't Freebird maybe. 
Freebird definitely yeah. too. Yep. I was just, I, I was just on the tip of my tongue. I was like, I know it's it's yeah. It's, Definitely like uh, Leonard Skinner. Uh, yeah, it's no longer a place. Anymore. It's it's like a weird bar now. It's not even a venue anymore. It's kind of bummer. Oh, bummer. But, yeah. yeah, that was a fun place. I remember yeah. getting sound for some reason, but yeah, yeah, they it's weird. They always always get great tours. I saw Failure and Hum there, and like I've seen like Between the Buried and Me. They're just you know amazing. Yeah, it's a great it was a great venue. I guess I should say. So. Awesome, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, you mentioned earlier we met. I was gonna say you and I first kind of met uh, when I booked Action Reaction in in Wichita at the Eagles Lodge. Uh, yeah. It was probably two thousand seven or eight. It had to have been maybe six. That I don't remember. Say probably more like honestly, it could have been any five. Maybe, maybe five, six. Yeah. Who was that? Do you remember who that tour was with? I cannot for the life of me remember. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I literally am like, I no. don't. Uh, I mean, and you're right. It was probably two two thousand six. Now, action reaction um, was uh, both a beautiful, wonderful experience. It was also kind of a painful experience. Sure. Um, and I have a lot of memories from that time, and there's a lot that I. Uh, sort of uh, let go. Um, the touring part of of action reaction was not incredibly pleasant. Um, totally I don't it. know if you could find a band that had a sh- as short of a touring experience as we did that got in more accidents. Oh my! Uh, and yeah, I I don't know. We I, I know we toured with um, that could have been a tour with Megan Dia. Maybe I did book them quite a few times. Yeah, that sounds about right, actually. That was fun. Um, we also toured with uh, Kill Hannah and the Pink Spiders. Yeah, I didn't do that one. Tour that we did. Uh boy. Yeah. Uh, men, women, and children. No, that was out. That was out west. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, no worries. I I just what? was curious. I was like, man, I just. Could not think for the life of me what it was. It doesn't matter. I just was <laughs> – it was just for reference. But um, awesome, man. Well, tell me, uh, Jason, growing up for you, I want to know kind of how life was for you, how music was intertwined in your life and kind of put you on the path that you were on for a time. Oh, sure. How music got intertwined with my life. Um, I know that's that super early on. Uh, I, I had a – the wild obsession with music really from as early as I can remember. Um, I, I, my dad had a pretty substantial record collection and, uh, I don't know, maybe even as early as like four or five years old. Um, it was kind of a, it was like my favorite thing to do. I had Legos and, and all the other fun stuff that kids had at that age, but um, I really gravitated probably to my dad's dismay. Um, his records, you know, I'd take them out and and, uh, and and put them on. You know, I knew I knew how to kind of put them on the record player and put the needle on. But um, I think even remember, you know, before I could read, I just remember like looking at the pictures and being very excited about it. And as, even as time went on, it was still kind of like a ritual for me, putting something on and, yeah. and reading the the sort of liner notes and sort totally. of, uh, you know, oh, wow, there's the clarinet. Who played that on that part? Yeah. And uh, and sort of digging in. Obviously, my dad had, you know, there's a lot of classic rock in there and and things that were happening in like the late 80s and, and early 90s. 
Um, and then obviously I had my own taste too. So that was kind of a, a, a thing with my dad was, uh, we, we like to go to the record store. He'd take me to the record store and, and I'd be able to pick out my own records or, or cassettes at the time too, which were, which were quite popular, um, which is very cool for me. Um, and then my own taste, I guess at the time too, when I was real young was like, I love Michael Jackson, oh, obviously, yeah. uh, and uh, and I was gonna make a Michael Jackson joke. I decided not to though. Um, <laughs> we'll leave that one to be uh, maybe in a personal setting. Um, I, I one of my prized possessions as a little kid is I I had a I had a cardboard cutout of Lionel Richie. Wow. Uh, in my bedroom, which is a little known fact of Jason Gleason. Um, and you know, I, I really gravitated to a lot of the sort of like pop and, and, and R and B that was, that was happening during my, my childhood years. Um, I certainly went through like the new kids on the block phase as probably anybody else did, but, um, but always had that sort of backbone of, of obviously like, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, like all the classic rock that was happening at the time. Um, you know, Pink Floyd, and then maybe even some of the more like folky stuff. So I loved my dad's like like Woody Guthrie and mm -hmm. and, and you know, yeah. eager and some of the more like uh, folky protesty kind of stuff that was going on. I don't know that I fully understood the stuff at the time, sure. but um, always kind of had a pretty pretty eclectic taste uh, in in music and and um, you know I think uh, my parents always nurtured that. It was very cool. Um, my my dad also played guitar too, so I remember one Christmas. Gosh, I, I must have been ten, eleven years old or something. Uh, I got a guitar for Christmas, um, and that really kind of set me on the path, I guess. But I mean, there's videos of me floating around. I mean, they're on VHS, and I hope they were never dubbed to digital because they're <laughs> amazing. But there's there's certainly a video of me at I think probably age five. Uh, totally dressed in like as close to Michael Jackson garb as I could with a white glove and doing all of as much of the dance moves as I could to Thriller at the time, <laughs> falling a couple of times, trying to do some spin moves and and knowing all the words and everything. Like I, I feel like I always kind of knew I wanted to sing or or I liked singing. Yeah. Um. And 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 sort of performing for the family and. Uh, and that and that kind of thing. So it was always something that I, I gravitated towards, uh, even from a very young age. But uh, music was always central, you know. And then obviously, as I got into like junior high and whatnot, obviously it was grunge was the big thing, you know. Yeah. Pearl Jam, Vitology was a huge record for me. Uh, Radiohead, The Benz. Actually, oh, yeah. I, I bought those both like maybe right in the same time period. There's this amazing record uh, store up where. Uh, my family had this old uh, cabin that had been the family forever in Brainerd, Minnesota. There was this amazing record store. I still remember how this place smelled um, that had a Vitology poster and a Benz poster right next to each so other. Cool. Just a weird memory that I, I still still hold. But um, and yeah, you know, did the grunge thing, man, like 90s alternative rock radio was like the <clears throat> a great renaissance in music, I yeah. think, time for me. So you know, all, all the stuff that was coming out around that time and always kind of kind of kept with that. In terms of the scene, though, I guess it was kind of right about that time, too, um, that switch from, from junior high to high school, I guess is when I started playing in bands. 
and you know first band was kind of like i guess alternative v uh, i think maybe we thought we were punk but it's <laughs> uh, we called ourselves manifest uh, oh, yeah. and yeah super cool i think we played a couple of parties and stuff <laughs> it played in the garage a lot uh, yeah and uh yeah there was a buddy of mine in 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 the band um or well, obviously uh his name was Kevin Call and his sister and sister's boyfriend um were very into the hardcore scene the local local hardcore scene and Kevin Kevin Call was responsible for introducing me to to hardcore um and took me to my first hardcore show. Who was that? What, what show was that? First hardcore show, which we didn't even get to see all the bands. In fact, we left after the first band uh, because Dave Corey, who was Kevin's sister's boyfriend, um, got kicked accidentally in the teeth. Mm. Uh, and I believe broke his tooth, if I remember correctly, in the, in the pit oh, by no. Jay Schlee. Hmm. kick you in the teeth jay schlee uh totally an accident obviously uh that's what happens when you're picking up change and everything else oh yeah meals and whatnot um so it was what was the lineup though i think it was um it was fall silent okay yeah, yeah. i remember and, them and or silent fall or maybe they were both on silent, the show? silent drive no fall silent. no silent fall so Silent Fall was the local band. Fall Silent was the national band. Mm-hmm. So it was Silent Fall. That's who I got to see. That was my first hardcore show. And they were great. And then Harvest Harvest played the show. Oh, I love Harvest. The show. Oh. So and good. I missed them that show. That's but then the next show, and I think was my, my first real show, was Coalesce. And a local band called Defect and Harvest and Disembodied. Whoa, what a nuts show. And and Harvest, they always, that was the one that really got me. Oh. I think that was the one that really, I was like, okay. Uh-huh. I get it. I, I see. And that's kind of when, you know. I, I, the whole thing, I think, I mean, really the first show and like the first time witnessing like a basement show yep. and this sort of like this sort of shared experience of like the, the no separation between band and the 50 or hundred people that were there yeah. and sort of very chaotic dance style. And I mean, I think I was 15 probably at the time. And just being like, whoa, this is very cool and beautiful yeah. and like this might be uh, my place, you know, this is very cool. Then definitely that second show was like, okay, this is yeah, this is it. This is it. This is very, very cool. Um and uh and the and the and the venue is cool. There might have even been a couple shows in there too. I just remember that show being so very impactful. Um the guitar player for Harvest, uh Dan Zimmerman runs this uh um an instagram account where he's been sort of he was he was always and i didn't even know he was doing it at the time but he's a very cool like he was he was video um capturing all of these shows wow so he's been like releasing them on instagram i I guess he's putting them on youtube but he promotes them on instagram and it's been such a cool sort of like 
trip down memory lane blast from the past yeah totally yeah like seeing it i was like oh my god i've been at like a half these shows (laughs) that's so cool very very cool um but yeah i mean once that world opened up then it was like really it was you know obviously the local scene those bands are are super impactful um because manifest then very quickly pivoted uh and became affinity and okay yeah yeah, yeah. it's all about you know it would be a hardcore band um and then playing in that local scene but then you know then it instantly became like you know what kind of zines and what kind of uh you know i need to find the revelation records catalog as yep. quick as possible and how many you know it was Snapcase and it was yep, earth yep. crisis yep, and yep. it was you know all the all the the big and heavies and class strife right and all, yep. and all the bands and then it was also discovering like amazing like like regionally awesome bands like i remember um threadbare was a band oh that, great like, band fell in love with and it was like oh my god this band is amazing um and then digging into the older stuff too like i love the gorilla biscuits albums um and there was this great band at the time too fast break i don't know if you ever yep. listened to them. Yep. like i love those fast break albums um lifetime obviously was so one, good like so good. Hit, jersey's hit. best dancers man that amazing album i know um Nora was a band yeah, I Nora. Totally dug. For, I think they were a Jersey band too. Um, and I liked the metal stuff a lot too. So like, um, like when the Dillinger Escape Plan album oh, came yeah. out, I remember being like, "Whoa!" Even yep. was one that um, until your heart stops. That was oh, one yeah. for me that was like total mind blower. Unbel- unbelievable band. Yeah. Unbelievable. Poison the Well. I mean, we could go on and just list every band in the scene. <laughs> at the time. It was like, you know, it was pretty pretty uh all the stuff was very impactful uh to me anyways um and and it was really kind of like shaping for me anyways the, the sort of um you know the mindset of how music could be and and yeah. what a sort of communal sort of environment and 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 scene could be and you know it was sort of more than just making records and making money and sure. um you know and and uh yeah, man, it, the scene, dude, it was, it, absolutely. It was so very cool in its in its sort of proto days at that point. Um, dude, absolutely, same here. And same I guess here. I was even mid swing at that point in in, in the nineties, uh, but uh, lucky lucky to sort of sneak in the door there and and be able to be a part, no doubt. Yeah, man. So you mentioned Affinity, your band. Um, were you guys playing with other bands at the time, or being able to get you know good slots, or, or getting to where you can make net- networking and whatnot? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, we were playing a lot of shows um, in in Minneapolis and we certainly played with, you know, we played with Harvest a number of times and played with Disembodied a number of times. I mean, the Minneapolis hardcore scene was um, was was pretty tight knit. Um, Remember, there's this really, really great band um, fed by Ravens. I don't know if you've ever heard them from town. We played with them a lot. Um, uh, defect and I mean everybody was very close. There was this great band Excite Bike uh, that we played with a couple of times, and we played our first show with them. Um, in fact, I think our first show was Excite Bike and Harvest. Oh wow! I think we 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 got a, a chance to open for Harvest. Uh, our first show is Affinity. So, um, yeah, no, it's tight knit community. Everyone very much embraced. Um, 
you know, us, which was very cool. I mean, we were young, uh, yeah. 16 years old or something and, and didn't really, you know, didn't know our ass from our elbow, so to speak. Yeah, no, I got you. When it came to, to what we were doing, but I think we were, we were very well received. And then, um, there was this great venue, uh, in Minneapolis called the Foxfire coffee lounge. Oh, cool. Um, and not only did we get an opportunity to open for a lot of bands that were touring, uh, at the time and kind of rolling through, um, like, uh, like the one show that we were so excited to play because we were going to open for Zayo, but then they didn't. Show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was, a, there was a number of these shows, but then they, they also did this, uh, hardcore matinee on Sundays. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and we played a number of those, but yeah, I mean, it's such fond memories of, of playing in the hardcore scene, no doubt in Minneapolis. Um, and, and yeah, we were. We were definitely fortunate to to rock out in that scene. It was very cool back in the day. That's cool. How long were you? Uh, how long did that last? That band last? I mean, obviously you wound up joining further, but how long did uh, did you play with Affinity? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, maybe three years, four years, something, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Um. So. I guess since we're at this point, when did uh, Further Seems Forever start to come into the radar? When uh, I mean, obviously you're playing in this band, and kind of tell me the story how that kind of materialized. Well, I guess they they came into the picture for me as a as a listener, as a fan, really. Um, you know, I I guess one of the bands that I left out that was definitely impactful to me um, was Strong Arm. Oh yes, um, absolutely. I mean, with, without a question, I think Strongarm absolutely um, game changers. Well, not only game changers, but to, uh, you know, well, I'm glad you said game changers. I I, I totally agree. Like, because they were the, one of the first bands that I was like, whoa, it's like very melodic and very heavy at the same time, yeah. and it's it's so intricate and it's fast and it's, you know, and listen to this guy is like, is he, is this like, how many takes did he have to do? It sounds I like know. blowing his voice out between every single, no. the amount of passion oh. in every single sentence is, is unbelievable. Um, and I can never really tell what he was saying. Like I, it, it didn't really matter. Like obviously the message is very Christian, but like it just, these sort of emotive qualities and the passion behind every note and every word was so, um, I guess, uh, ten to me anyways, tangential to the message that it was totally. like, I, it, none of it really mattered to me. Um, and I don't think it was ever really like sold to me as like, well, listen to this Christian band, right? It was just like, I heard it and I was like, whoa, like, yeah. This maybe he was on a comp or something, maybe maybe even been tooth and nail, but um, yeah, definitely an impactful band to me. So when Further came along, I I think the first time I ever heard them was on a comp. I think it was probably that Deep Elm comp. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And being like uh, it, something to the effect of you know, it, it, I think it's X Further seems forever was like the ad, right? or I'm sorry, X, X uh, from, yeah. rather was the was the ad. Um, and being like, oh, sick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't wait. And then That's obviously he popped it on and it was like, oh, it is strong arm, but there's this dude 
who's a really great singer. <laughs> but like, this is different, but this is awesome and kind of everything in, in the mode of like where I was kind of uh, going at the time, which was, you know, not getting away from heavy music, but certainly sort of moving in the like post just heavy music yeah. uh, for for a while uh, category. Um, and so certainly after hearing that, um, you know, I, I waited and anticipated the moon is down coming out, like Absolutely. down to the minute. Uh, and I, I certainly remember like, well, cause it was only CDs at the time, like, you know, getting the CD and yep. putting in the, the, like the really sh shitty boom box that I had at the time. And like pressing play and just hearing that like plane taking off and being like, Whoa, like this yeah. is so good. Um, and I, I, it was one of those albums too, that I, I sat and I listened to sitting like Indian style in my bedroom, like, yeah. uh, just listening to top, top to bottom. Right. Like, perfect. Uh, and was just like, wow, this is, this is it. Yeah. You know, this is like, uh, this is everything that's happening right now in the, in, in the scene. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I got in, into further really. It was just, I guess, knowing their, their former bands. I mean, that's what you did at the time was, you know, sure. you, you, you sort of, you know, had to seek out, uh, you know, and it was, and there was so much sort of incestuous thing. It was like X members of, <laughs> there's so many bands oh, yeah. like, Oh yeah. Were, I love that know, stuff. With crossovers and, um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I became aware of them and, and I was a big fan. I got to um, Affinity actually, believe it or not, uh, Affinity played um, a festival with Further Seems Forever uh, in Minneapolis. Um, I can't remember if it was the day before or the same day. I think it had to have been the same day because I was certainly uh, there. I think it was a two-day two -day music festival. Lots of hardcore bands and lots of emo bands, scene bands, the whole nine. Um, and I remember watching them and they were totally legit lie. You know, it was, it was like, this is, you know, yeah. this is everything that we were supposed to be and, yeah. and just being enamored um, and was very bummed to find out, I don't know, God, like anybody else, like, even a couple of weeks after that show that, um, you know, no more. Uh, and that Chris was, uh, uh, you know, had left the band and, um, or the band was splitting. I think the news at the time was that the, the band was just breaking up. I don't yeah. think that Chris was leaving. Um, but then lo and behold, uh, I guess my introduction to the band proper, as in like me with the band, came from, um, there was a label out of Detroit called Deadroid Records. Oh yeah, I remember that label, yeah. So Affinity was signed to Deadroid Records. Okay. And right around that same exact period, um, Affinity and I were no longer, um, and Chris and Further were no longer, and the owner of the record label, um, I, if I'm remembering the story perfectly correct, it was like, <clears throat> he had offered Further Seems Forever Affinity's van, which he had oh. purchased for us. Uh, which became lovingly known as Stevie Gravan, um, in exchange for Chris, or maybe it was further as the band, 
doing the Weezer Weezer tribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Right. Um. The irony of that is amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, but basically, he called me up and he said, "Well, listen, <laughs> your van's got to go to Florida and all that kind of stuff." Um, but hey, I think they're staying together, and and I think they're auditioning singers. You should, uh, you you should you should do that. Um, you know, I know you've got a good singing voice too. You don't just scream, brother, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and I didn't think much about it. Um, you know, I, I guess I've, I've told the story once or twice, but I was an idiot and I, I put together, I don't know, one or two songs of me in Affinity that had me singing on the track, which was not very good at all the time. Um, and then I decided to cover a Pedro the Lion song. Wow, what song was that? Uh, not just any Pedro the Lion song, yes. Uh, Winners Never Quit. Great the, song. like, the saddest, slowest, not further-related <laughs> song at all. Depressing. You know? And I'm going to sing a very down-in-register, depressing, slow song that is not relatable to further at all. But apparently, they liked it. Uh, so I... Yeah, so I flew down and auditioned and got the gig and... And uh, two weeks later, packed my life up and drove down to Florida in Stevie Gray van. And uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history at that. So, how uh, how quick after the um, trout did they let you know? Did was it pretty quick, or were you? And, and how did you feel when that happened? It was pretty quick. Yeah, no, I mean Chad Chad called me um, and played a little prank for about ten minutes on me, saying I didn't get the gig and he wanted me to just be the merch guy. <laughs> to which I was, to which I was like, bummer, but okay, um, I, I'll still do that. That sounds awesome, right? Like, I want to get the heck out of Minnesota uh, and go start seeing seeing the world. Um, but um, yeah, no, I think they let me know like within a couple of days, maybe a week. It really wasn't that long of a turnaround. It was very cool. Yeah, um, and I had a great time down there. Honestly, like I, I don't. I don't want to say like I left knowing I got the gig or something. Cause I certainly didn't, it wasn't that kind of brazen arrogance or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. but I definitely left feeling like, all right, th this is, this a is a real possibility, right? We, we all yeah. had a great time. And, and certainly I had done my homework. We blistered through just about every further song imaginable and maybe even a cover that I knew they did at the time or something, something along those lines. And I, I brought my, my a game. Oh but, yeah, man. So, um, awesome. but it was awesome, man. We had a great, the, the, the old rehearsal, the further rehearsal space was, uh, was this wild sweat box, uh, <laughs> with, like no ventilation. And, and, and I, I remember the night it was awesome. I mean, we, we, we just ripped through every further song there was and, and, and had a very sweaty, uh, late afternoon, evening, uh, rehearsal. So That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, okay, you're in the band, and you're stoked, and you're, um, you know, is, so how much longer, or I guess, how long, how much longer after that did you, How to Start a Fire start? Um, were the songs already written? Or is it something that you had input in? Like, how did, I guess, how did that start, uh, how did that fire start? <laughs> hmm, interesting turn of phrase. Um, <laughs> so... 
I guess we tour the moon is down for about, I don't know, a year, year and a half or so. Um, Josh Colbert, uh, who did not really tour much. He definitely played a couple of shows, no doubt, um, but wasn't, um, you know, an incredibly integral member of Further, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think most of most of the songs that you've heard out of Further, and I don't know this to be true about Strong Arm, but I would imagine considering what I know about the sort of style and, and how mm-hmm. the songs kind of, uh, you know, sort of come about, um, I think usually start as a, as a Josh Colbertism. I've heard that. Uh, if I've you will. Yeah. And he's just got, you know, it's been a long time since I've gotten to sit with Josh in a room, um, and sort of watch him uh, do what he does. But I, I do have very fond memories of sort of being like, um, just enamored with the way he sort of works his way around the neck and, um, and I do remember him having a, a classical guitar, uh, like a nylon st- string classical, mm-hmm. um, and sort of working a lot of the like sort of like very melodic uh, sort of finger picking kind of chord progressions from that. Um, and so I think a lot, a lot, not all the songs certainly, um, but many of the further songs. Um, started as, um, you know, he started from Josh, right? Um, And then I'm not going to delve too much into the magic after that. Sure. I don't don't blame you. Because it is an interesting process, um, no doubt, where uh, where everybody has a hand in it. I'll say that. Um, And I think that one of the things that's really cool about further is that it is a very like when it comes to the songwriting thing it is a very communal process where i think everybody understands that everybody else brings something really unique to the table mm-hmm. and so i don't want to say that it's uh, partitioned completely in any any specific way where it's like well you write your part and i'll write my part and yeah. all that kind of thing there is definitely a communal uh, aspect no doubt to the to the writing process um but i think um you know, every I guess I just want to reiterate, like everyone brings something very unique. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Steve's uh, style of drumming and just the way that Steve thinks about music and how uh, how music is divided and and subdivided and the way he plays and stuff, it's just like it's it's so unique and almost oh, yeah. unreplicable. It really is. You know, it's it's further wouldn't sound like further without Steve. Yeah. But further wouldn't sound like further without Josh. Yeah. And and same goes with uh, Chad, and and same goes with Derek, um, and you know we singers are almost, uh, well we are replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, that's been, I think that's been proven a couple you walked, times. You uh, walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, I well I was I was proving the point. Yeah, I walked <laughs> myself straight into that one. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, no, we have. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is, you know, that core there is certainly certainly the further sound, no doubt. Um, and so I want to say that Josh was certainly working on a couple of, uh, or m- maybe even uh, a, a majority of, 
don't want to say the tunes, but certainly like what would become the tunes. Sure. Um, while we were out touring, the moon is down. I know that Derek uh, was hard at work um, on on some of the tunes that would become some of the tunes, right? Yeah. Um, at the time later uh, in the touring process, I was living with Derek, and I remember making some tunes with Derek too, like a Pride War started with Derek and I, hmm. um, I believe. Uh, well, I guess I should probably say started with Derek. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always a, it's 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 an interesting mix, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the only tune that started with me specifically was Aurora Borealis. Great song. Um, and then, but yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone had, uh, you know, at the time, at the time, how to start a fire, you know, we stopped touring and then just very much focused on, on writing the album. Right. Um, all got very into it. Um, it was a very open and sort of, you know, communal process where, we're sharing a lot of ideas with each other and very open to each other's sort of ideas and creativity. And, um, you know, ultimately I think it, I mean, I'm biased obviously, but I think, uh, I think we worked really well together. Absolutely. It's my, it's my favorite for the record leaps and bounds. I mean, they're all fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but that's the one I, I absolutely adore. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we hit a little a little moment, and you know, I wasn't there for the writing of Moons Down, so I can't speak to it. And um, uh, I was there for the writing of most of Hide Nothing, and, mm. and very similar kind of in terms of writing the music, it was a similar process. Yeah, yeah uh, great record as well. Yeah, a little little different, obviously, because things were not as we yeah. weren't we weren't as happy. Of a I got you. I understand. I yeah. Understand. Um, uh, no, no, no worries. Um, so let's talk about uh, Start a Fire. T- tell me about how the recording, uh, and like you said, it was communal and stuff. How, I mean, did you feel like when you guys were writing those songs, were you like, hell yes, this is going to crush? Or were you like, you know, a little like, how's this going to go? You know, I'm obviously take, speak, you know, stepping into Chris's shoes, you know, just, and I know you had been touring, obviously. Um, so how, how did you feel about that? How were you just like, this is going to crush? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that I think everybody else in the band was certainly more confident than I was. Um, uh, in in so much as you know, and I, again, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I've definitely talked about it uh, before, but I, you know, I um, you know, I, I did a lot of changes uh, just a couple of days before I hit the studio to do vocals because um, I was not incredibly confident um, with what I had uh, put together mm-hmm. um, or not confident that it was representative of me I got uh, you. Um, as, as, a, as an individual in my contributions to the band and that it was a bit more, um, well, I just didn't want it to be sort of a karaoke kind of a situation. I got you. Yeah. Right? Um, but um but no, I mean everybody else in the band was very encouraging of 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 me and what I was doing and, and bringing to the table, um, and uh, yeah. But writing writing the album was, uh, I guess, both I guess cathartic and and sort yeah. of painful at the same time. 
um, given the you know, self doubt and and you know other other things. Sure. I was also yeah, I was twenty years old, um, and playing with. It was very different than touring, right? I think touring and performing and having the songs sort of written and structured, and you know, hats off to to Chris too. You know, it's not like he, uh, it's not like I was working with with dog shit or something. You yeah, know, exactly. I was working with some pretty incredible songs. Oh yeah, uh, that I loved and I loved to sing, um, and so, you know, that was a very fun experience for me. Um, but I think when we got back and got in the studio and things got very serious, kind of a rubber hits the road, uh, thing for me. Um, and, and certainly there were, um, you know, issues for me, uh, mentally, spiritually, sure. um, even physically. I mean, the first couple of days in the studio were very rough and I was not given great takes of stuff and just was not the confidence level. I think just wasn't there. It wasn't really, you know, I don't think I really hit a stride in the studio until even like midway through Yeah. so much so that I think we, you know, I, I remember going back and taking takes of stuff that I'd done uh, earlier once I really hit, hit a groove. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it was great, man. We're, we're, and working with James Wisner was great. Um, great. You know, I'd been in studios and recorded stuff in the past, but I mean, he was certainly the first guy that I got a really a, a cool glimpse of like what it's like to work with, you know, kind of a heavy um, and work with work with somebody who really knew what the heck they were doing behind the board and and uh, and coming at it from a, a more kind of a spiritual kind of a mindset about like what is recording and why wow. we're doing this and like you That's know so cool um we're not just laying notes to tape right now like uh we're making albums and you know um so that was you know that was cool i mean i when i look back now you know most of any of the negative kind of memories have mostly just become i don't know anecdotes if you will yeah um I, i'm i mostly have like very very fond memories of uh you know, thoughts of gratitude and, and, and totally. all about being able to have been a part of that, uh, part of that process. And, um, almost feel like in some ways I've been thinking about all this stuff a lot too recently. Sure. It's like, a uh, outsider looking in almost too, and, and being like, well, damn, that's so cool. I got to do all that stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. That's neat. So what did you think when the record was done and you guys listened to it for the first time? And then also on a side note, what did the label think about the record? I just was curious, uh, you know. So I can curse on this podcast. You can curse on this podcast. So honest thoughts. When I first heard it back the first time, I thought this shit fucking rips. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I was proud of it. We were all proud of it. Like, I think, uh, you know, there's there's one tune on the album that I don't like. <laughs> and I've never liked it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that any one of you in the bands ever liked it. Uh, fun fact, we've never played it live. Uh, I'm not going to say which song it is, but... Fair enough. Um, but outside of that, and I, don't get me wrong, in hindsight, I've listened to it now, and I think I, I'm actually probably going to encourage that we maybe we learn it um, and play it, because it's not that bad. Come on, guys. Yeah. Oh, but um no man I, I was like 
very stoked. I was like, this is, this sounds great. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. Um, you know, are people going to connect with this? I don't know. It sounds very, very different than the last one. Sure. Uh, in spades, like, one thing that was remarkably different and certainly a one of the choices that was made both just right before doing vocals <clears throat> and certainly then added to in the midst of recording was lots of harmonies. Mm. There aren't very many harmonies at all on The Moon is Down. And that, that's one thing, frankly, that I love about The Moon is Down. Yeah. Uh, there's, but there's a big distinction between the two. Absolutely. Um, I had a choral background mm -hmm. um, in, in high school and in, in junior high. I sang a lot of choral music. Um, and I always was a big fan of um, big harmonies in music, too. Um, it's one of my favorite parts about like the Beatles. <laughs> like, I think they're yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was definitely a, a, a choice to, you know, sing harmonies. And then once we kind of heard harmony and and myself singing harmony with myself, it was like, ooh, that sounds kind of nice. Let's add this a works. third. This works. Let's, let's add a third. And see what that sounds like. And then it was like, ooh, that sounds like very different than further yeah. of yore. Um, but it's cool. Let's not keep that harmony. Let's work on another one. Yeah. Right. Um, and 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 then there was a lot of like vocal counterpoint and stuff uh that, that we worked on in the studio too. Um to me, uh, I, I was listening to a lot of Bjork at the time, too, and I love the counterpoint that she sings, too, so I was very inspired by that. Yeah. Um, so so that was definitely something that was very different. So when I listened back to it, I was kind of like, I don't know if people are going to like this at all. And I remember it was really funny because when it got released, there were, like, message boards at the time. Yeah. Oh, don't read the message boards. They're so cruel. <laughs> They're so fucking mean. Um, but yeah, that was one of the first things people picked out. They were like, oh my God, it sounds like the Backstreet Boys. Oh my God. Uh, and honestly, I was a little bummed at first. And then I was like, yeah, fuck them. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. And, uh, and, you know, it just, you know, whatever it becomes, whatever it becomes, I suppose. But, yeah, when we first heard it back, I, I do remember I have, a, I have a super vivid memory of listening to it back. And um, and Chad had an SUV with a great sound system, and and we uh, we we banged a couple of tunes. Um, I think it was me and him and, and Josh Colbert, and we were all like, "Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah this is <laughs> awesome." Um, I think I remember listening to the sound and the deep. That was one right away that was just like. Yes, this is everything I want yeah. and like, and that's totally what I was hoping it would be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So pumped, really. Did the um, haters gonna hate? Yeah. Oh, haters are gonna hate. Yeah. Um, the label, like I was asking earlier, did they when you you know handed them the copy, were they like, holy 
shit? Like, were they just so stoked on it? Honestly, I have no idea. I wasn't really involved with much of the business at that I gotcha. point. I gotcha. Um, I think... Um, I think... Um, well... Hmm. Uh, I got no, I I did I you know listen it's no it's no secret I don't think I had great relations with the label at the time and the label that is now is a very very different label than sure. the label that was sure. then um but certainly I think I don't know I think I like a like a like a silly child that I was at 19 years old, uh, signed a uh, record contract for, I think, like four albums or something for 200 bucks, like pay my rent, which, frankly, why would they offer me any more? I was an unproved yeah. quantity and who sure. knew and everything else. But, geez, Jay, get a lawyer, obviously. <laughs> um, and so that being said, yeah, I don't, outside of signing that thing, I don't, uh, didn't have a whole lot of, back and forth of the label i can't i mean in hindsight they should have been stoked yeah um but sure they were but yeah i don't remember um well, i don't remember the label's reaction to be honest with you gotcha. uh, yeah well yeah. sorry no worries i just no it's fine i just i'm just curious because i feel like when i first personally heard it I was like, holy, oh my God, this is incredible. So, I, I mean, they had to have been, I would assume, had to have been stoked, you know. And it's kind of one of those records that, like, I don't know. I just, uh, man, I just, if you got it, you got it, you know. I think so. It, I also, though, like, completely understand that it's a polarizing kind of a record. Mm-hmm. If, if, you were, if you were a fan of the band before, I would imagine it was jarring. Maybe. Well, I was a fan and I loved the first record and I loved the second record better because I just thought the songwriting went up like and, and not a slight to the first record at all. I absolutely think it's fantastic. I just I thought there was just just a better all around sound. I thought the production was better, obviously. And, you know, I just thought them like you said, the melody, I'm a melody guy. So, you know, the harmonies, the melodies, all that stuff, it just took it to another level for me, at least. So, you know. I, I definitely want to, and again, hide nothing. Incredible record, like all three of them are fantastic, and even what Penny Black's great as well. I just thought, for me personally, man, this is you know how to start a fire is, you know, the, this is the record I would give to people if I was like check out this band. And I don't, I know I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate for it, but I really like you know I, I know people are Karaba fans, and I love you know John Bunch. I just I think this is the record for me personally. Yeah, it's weird. I. Well, I guess that's what I meant by, like, I understand how it could be polarizing, because there is the, like, like, Teen Caraba, or, like, Teen Jason, or, like, Teen Bunch, and, <laughs> I don't know, I, I think, this is obviously hindsight speaking, I've come to find that the beauty of the band is, is that they really all exist kind of in the same space. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And like it is kind of a beautiful thing to see. I don't even want to call it a progression because I, I I really don't view it that way. I view it as like three unique entities that all sort of live in the same universe with each other. It's Absolutely. almost like a, it's like a Marvel universe or something. But like, 
No, I mean, it, it's it's a cool, unique band, like both from the outsider uh, perspective looking at it, but certainly from the insider perspective, too. You know, I, I feel like it's, it's unique to have lived this experience um, and, and have been able to sort of like share the experience with uh, with the other singers, too. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's a there is a singers of further seems forever club. It's a secret society. There's a secret, there's a secret handshake. Um, and, and we've certain, certainly all been, uh, supportive to, to one another and, and talk through, you know, uh, uh, what that's like. I'm sure the touring guitar players further seems forever, uh, group two. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm joking obviously, but, uh, but no, I mean it, it is you know the the further family is is a very very unique one, um, and I think the farther we've come, like sort of away from the the albums and the and the makings of the albums, uh, the the tighter knit the family has become. Yeah. Obviously, you know we we lost John. Uh, yeah, know, man, Keats. I was gonna, yeah I was going to ask you about what your opinion on uh, phenomenal. I love Sense Field, you know War Generation, all those records he put out. What what was your feelings on him? I just I. Was curious. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna lie. Like at the time, there were a lot of uh, a lot of um, you know, sort of like I guess I don't want to call them bitter feelings. It wasn't bitter towards him at all. It was just bitter towards the the, the situation. Sure. Um, with with further, um, you know, hide nothing was a hard record for me to listen to for for a long time, really. Um, now that I've come. Away and have a have a, a very different perspective uh, on it. It's become <laughs> it's hard to say one of my favorites because it's like you know yeah because uh, they the, they are all so so unique. But I, I guess I guess I would say like you know the moon is down. It was always my favorite because it was like my first love the introduction. Yeah. It's hard to say that mine's my favorite. Cause that's so weird, but it would also be so obvious cause I'm biased as anything. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, and then hide nothing is just so unique in the universe. It's almost like an alien. Like it's yeah. so, it's so, but John brought something to the band, like a, like a very unique control to it where it was like it wasn't so angsty and seen it was like it took because his take on what was written there for vocals and what i had penned the, that uh, thus far was such from opposite universe takes in, in my head uh, hide nothing or I, I guess it's, you know that's it was gonna be a, like a hardcore album mm. it would be like a heavier than how to start a fire thing uh, or at least that's how i was interpreting the music at the time it was being written mm -hmm. uh, and the things that i was sort of penning uh to 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 go in and, and sort of rock in the studio um, and John took it in a, in a very, a very different direction that was much more, um, 
I don't want to call it subdued because it's not subdued. There, there is sure. so much passion behind it, but it, it took it in a direction that was, I think so much more sort of like, uh, what's the right word? Like diplomatic. I got you. And like, it, it was just, it was almost like, a, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like when I go back and I listen to it now, uh, it's such an interesting listen for me because not only do I love it and I love what he did, there's that section two of the, the all rise and um, I'm so bad with song titles. I feel like a jerk now. Um, make it apart. All rise. Mm-hmm. There's those two songs that are sort of like related, almost like a sweet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my freaking God. That oh. song is so, or those songs rather. So good yeah it's incredible and i get chills every time i listen to that but like what he brought to the table on that tune is so um so like statesmanly oh i get what you're saying i get it so like i don't even know how to describe it but it's so maybe mature yeah (laughs) like regal no no i i get yeah like i get it i mean he think about it Sensefield, he's been crushing it for years. He just walked in, yeah. did his thing, and it is an absolute masterpiece record. It's like, and you know, I know that's probably the uh, a lot of people, a lot of furthers fans like the the black sheep of the of all three of them or four of them. But I think it's unbelievable record. No, when people tell me they're like, oh, I didn't like that, I'm like, you have to go back and listen to it because you missed something, sir. Absolutely. Like you you missed you missed the boat on that one. Or if you only gave it one listen, you do you, you gotta go back and check it out. Or it's maybe un- if it's, if it's yeah. been ten years since you checked it out, go go check yeah. it out again. It's yeah. phenomenal. Like phenomenal. I mean, I just uh, it's like I don't know, it's just like the best of both worlds. You know, you got further scenes forever and you John from Sensville. It's like you are you kidding me? Like Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been listening to it a lot again recently too. Um, I've been further seems forevering a lot, I, I, as, as you should, as you year. should. Um, and yeah, no, that one, that one keeps making the rounds. Uh, and yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I have come to really adore that record. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just, and John was a really beautiful person, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the couple of times that we were able to get on the horn and, and, and chat, I mean, he was always just such a... Honestly, a really encouraging and sort of beautiful, wonderful kind of dude, you know. Love that, that. Love you know, that. was that was always just like, hey man, yeah. you know, and and got to chat through things, and that was while he was in the band, and 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 even after, and you know, we chatted a little bit. Um, honestly, right before he passed away, uh, it, when we were leading up to playing some of those shows about oh, what was that like eight nine years ago. Um, and you know, we, we were looking forward to seeing him out there, yeah. uh, California when we played, um, you know, and I was, we were, we were planning on playing some, some hide nothing tunes on that tour, uh, regardless. And it was kind of me like, well, listen, you, you come do them, please. That would be so, so cool. Up so on cool. Stage and, you know, we're, we're looking, looking forward to connecting out there. Um, so that, you know, he passed, you know, I think just to, a month or two before we we hit the road, which was um, it was tough, man. It was tough. But it was especially on the rest of the guys in the band. You know, I, I certainly didn't know him, um, you know, as, as well. I can't even say as well. I mean, the other guys were, you know, they toured. They toured with him for a long yeah. time. It was brothers, my brotherhood, uh, very yeah. much was formed with everybody else. So, you know, I could see it on everybody, and I could feel it. It was palpable. 
Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like losing a, you know, losing a member of the team, yeah. losing a brother, losing a, you know, a member yeah. of our, of our family, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's poignant. Uh, well, rest in peace, John Bunch. So, um, real quick, uh, last thing I'll, we'll talk about on how to start for a little bit. And that, cause I want to get in a little bit of action reaction. Um, what's your favorite song on the record? Hmm. I have God, that's impossible, man. I don't know. That's like asking you like what your favorite kid is. <laughs> like There's uh, gotta be one though that you play live that you're like a holy shit moment. Um I can tell you what my favorite song is on the moon is down. <laughs> tell me your favorite yeah. song on the moon is down. The moon is down. <laughs> Uh, and I can tell you what my favorite song to play live with the band is. It's not. The moon is down. It's weird, right? It is weird. It's such a fun song to play. I'm man. sure it is. I'm sure it's so much fun. Just go bonkers, you know. Um, but my favorite song on how to start a fire would probably be. Well, there's three that are in my head. Well, name the three then. That's fine. I'll name the three. All right. It would be how to start a fire for obvious reasons. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, well, yeah. How to start a fire for obvious reasons. And then sure. the other two are um, The Deep and Blank Page Empire. Nice. Those are both fantastic. Yeah. I think. I think I'll roll. I think I'll roll with those three. Fair enough. It'd be really tough to pick which one of those. I mean, both the deep and blank page for very different reasons. Sure, sure. I get that. I get that. I, I was just just rips at the end. Oh yeah. I mean, love that, that dude. You know, Absolutely. it just builds and builds and builds, and it has a sick slide guitar thing at the end. It just like rips. Oh, yeah. so much fun. So good. And then blank page empire for melodic reasons like i love the melodies mm -hmm. that i chose on that tune and i also really love the music of that song yeah. and the the feel i feel like that was a very big departure um from the stuff further had done in the past yeah it very much brought uh derek uh the guitar player into the forefront um with a lot of the like jazz, mm -hmm. um, he's a big jazz guy. Uh, not not many people know, but Derek has a uh, a doctorate in jazz, no, uh, liturgical jazz actually. Um, so jazz is always his, uh, you know, that's that's his background in in yeah. in, in playing. Uh, he would tell you his background is an Iron Maiden, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, which I guess is probably his no shame background. in that game. No shame in that game. Yeah, no, none at all. Um, but yeah, no, Derek is a, is a great jazz guitar player. Um, and, and I think that was definitely sort of a, I think there's a lot of jazz elements throughout, um, throughout Hot Star Fire, uh, kind of peers their way in here and that. there, but Blank Page Empire was just a, kind of a blatant, like, well, here it is. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. 
All right. Well, let me uh, let's segue into a little bit of action reaction. Um, again, obviously booked you guys in Wichita. Kind of tell me how that kind of materialized. Um, you know, getting with Equal Vision um, and then being able to put the EP in the full length. That how to, and of course you talked about how touring was not as pleasant as you would would think. But just kind of tell me your thoughts on the on the EP and, and the record and kind of just how that whole thing happened. And then obviously you're not doing it anymore. So it's just kind of was it just kind of a a thing that you wanted to do at for a certain time, or was it just something that just didn't work for you? What just go from there? Oh God. Um. Yeah. So. So when we first left further, um, myself and my uh, ex, um, and our guitar tech. And our touring guitar player, Brandon, who was my best friend growing up, um, Brandon went on to play in I Am The Avalanche. Oh, nice. I booked them one time. Yeah, Brandon Swanson, Olaf, or Bezeka, or what do they call him? Agro. Yeah, <laughs> got a million nicknames. Um, very dear friend. Um, we, we came up. Uh, we came up to Jersey and obviously the, the sort of modus operandi is I like, all right, we're going to start another band here. Right. Like get, get right to it. Um, I took a little bit of time off and didn't really like jump right into like working, working and, and took some time off to just write some music. Sure. Um, and what did we call ourselves? Um, these ships have holes. That's a cool name, actually. Yeah, I think it was after a Bjork lyric, actually. Wow. Um, and in hindsight, probably should have kept doing that. Jumped right back on tour and done the thing. Yeah. But at the time, what we actually did, we released a couple of tunes. I'm told somebody has them somewhere. If anyone out there listens to this and has these three recordings that they got off of MySpace or wherever the hell they ended up finding themselves, the three songs that got released, uh, 49 Times My Latest Line, uh, Dracula, Dracula, and I forget what the third song was called, but I definitely remember those two tunes, and they were bangers. Dang. Bangers, man. And where they went, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. They got released under the name Sunken Ship. And the okay. reason why, well, there you go. These ships have holes, Sunken Ship. We never played a show because I, being a temperamental bitch that I am, decided that I didn't really want to play scene music anymore. I got you. I get it. Um, I was just kind of bored with the whole thing, and and I wanted to do something that was colorful. And again, the yeah. temperamental bitch that I was, yeah. like music is like emo music and indie music are different for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same notes. Oh yeah. 
meets and God, let's be honest right oh yeah right uh and especially in this day and age it's funny i mean you you can literally meld any genre together and and yep. and it's and, and it is what it is so yeah. at the time though i was very young still and very naive and i had just left a really great band also being a temperamental bitch uh and um and you know i was still just being an asshole. And so I, uh, I, I, you know, I said to everybody, I said, Hey, listen, this is just not really where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to do something a little different. And so, um, you know, Brandon obviously was really bummed. Um, and I think Danny at the time, Danny pop was bummed too. Um, although Danny ended up going on to do some other really great things, not in music, um, and, and has made quite the life for himself. Uh, awesome. So I think in hindsight, in hindsight, I think I don't think he's <laughs> all, all that bummed about it. Um, and then myself and my ex, uh, you know, ventured on to, uh, to play an action reaction. Um, we played with, uh, so myself and uh, the former bass player of her band Element 101, uh, Sal. Sal, yeah, I think I met him once. Yeah, got together with um, with also the former guitar player for band Element 101. Uh, it just started writing some tunes. Yeah. Uh, and what came out was like, what ended up becoming Action Reaction. So it was, I guess the impetus at the time was like, let's just write whatever the hell comes out yeah um with no real preconceived notions like insert judd judd here or <laughs> make sure hair swoops round at this <laughs> there or yeah you know like if someone decides to pick up a slide whistle by all means um or if you know if someone's like i hope that this sounds like a big bright blue thing great make the guitar sound like that like yeah. you know it was very it was intended to sort of be uh colorful and whimsical and um and sort of a almost like the the sort of like montessori school of bands if you yeah. will no, I got like, you. what do you feel like today i don't know this song <laughs> like um and and i guess for all intents and purposes it was it was a for the first year anyways or or even eight months that it took us to sort of really fully put songs and an ep and album together um it was uh it was a really sort of a beautiful communal sort of creative outlet for everybody um and yeah so we put we initially put i think a seven song ep out by ourselves yeah um which had i think everything on it that ended up making the album except for a couple of tunes. Like, I don't think bang is bang, bang on the album. I don't know. It's been so long since I listened to the action reaction record. I can't tell you, but, um, some stuff does on, I I don't remember, but we put like a seven song EP out and we're just playing a couple of shows. And at that point we did have management and they were shopping us to some labels. Um, I had met, I had met Dan Sanshaw on, believe it or not, an Armor for Sleep video shoot. Wow. Um, that was at the guitar player's 
I forget how this all worked out. If I helped them scout the space or I, I don't, I don't really remember, but it was like the guitar player who was in action reactions, parents house in Wayne, New Jersey. And I met Dan Sanshaw there and we started talking and, uh, you know, I got a band and, um, you should check it out and everything else. Um, and I remember management had maybe some other offers on the table. I forget who was all interested at the time. Probably not as many people as we would have liked because sure. who knows. But I do remember there being sort of like a, there was one, one major and another indie that had reasonably decent offers on mm-hmm. the table. Um, you know, we had an album in hand. Um, and then I remember just chatting with Dan. Um, I think we, you know, we went up to Albany at one point. I forget if we, if we really struck the deal like in Albany or, or beforehand, but I don't know, man. Uh, do you know Dan Sanshaw? I don't, to- but I've heard the name, but yeah, I just always loved Equal Vision in general. I thought that was a fantastic label. So not only did I think that Equal Vision had uh, like a lot of bands that I just loved. Sure. Right. Growing up and, and, and into the scene. But then you just go ahead and you end up meeting Dan Sanshaw. And the guy is just, well, he's larger than life, sort of like, but he's also like the most humble creature. Like, I, he's such a lovely human. Like, That's awesome. And and we just started chatting, and and this sort of idea presented itself because actual reaction was was a bit different or tangential than other things that were on Equal Vision. Mm-hmm. And this sort of thing presented itself where he was like, "Well, you know, do you guys want to have like an imprint on Equal Vision?" Um, and it was like, "Really? That's awesome." <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds super rad actually um and and it was it just seemed like the right thing it seemed like um it seemed like a like a good marriage it felt right it felt like uh i don't know man it it just seemed it seemed like the right thing to do sure uh, regardless of of money or or anything else um Dan Sanshaw feel felt like an equal vision felt like and every it felt like home the right fit yeah it felt like the right fit um and so yeah so we 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 very quickly got to got to that you know they they gave us complete con- creative control on the artwork the packaging and the you know and the music obviously not that the labels got too far into that back in the day but um you know, you guys want to do a music video? Go for it. We were like, all right, well, we want to do it ourselves and make all these props, and it's gonna, it's gonna be really fucking weird. I promise. But that's what we're doing right now, and and they were totally supportive of it, and and um, yeah. I mean, listen, we had a we had a great experience all the way up until we started touring. Mm. And when we started touring. You know, I was really keen and and what I really wanted to do, which made it very difficult, was bring a large band out on tour. Mm. I wanted a percussionist and drummer 
and a keyboard player and two guitar players <laughs> and 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 like an asshole. And I want to pay everybody well. Yeah, I'm a, I was a promoter, and I know what you guys got paid. <laughs> so I know that's I know that wasn't pleasant. Yeah, and you know what else? I want to make sure that we've got days off so we can do stuff. <laughs> See the Grand Canyon and all the stuff. And, you know, I made really dumb business decisions. Yeah, um, I got you. Which is fine. Uh, and then we also, you know, like I think, I, you know, we got into more van accidents and lost mm. more gear than just about anybody. Uh, touring in the winter and black uh, ice. Yep. Um, you know, on the way out to Arizona and then on the way back and mm. and then an, another time and and then it just it was right at the the sort of advent of um, you know, it was is a weird time I think too mm-hmm. in music where. We were not adept to or wanted to use. Oh, it's gonna be so controversial, and I don't want to offend anyone. We were we were not hip to using tracks. I got you. Um, which is very common practice sure. uh, these days, and it was kind of right at the the outset of that. Um, and at some point in the middle of touring and after all the accidents and, and after making very dumb business decisions and paring down the band and not selling, obviously, because no one really could give a flying fuck about a band trying to do weird music. (laughs) Uh, it just became very apparent that I wasn't that interested in music as a business anymore. I don't, I don't know. That makes uh, sense. That I would be much happier doing music for fun. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Or if I wanted to do music still, I had to stop trying to do it as a business because it was yeah. very depressing and... um. You know, yeah. You know, I was going to have to make major structural changes to the way we were doing the business, operating, yeah, in order to uh, to try and succeed. Not that that would ever be a guarantee. Sure. Uh, and at that point, I I don't think it was worth it to me to try to make those decisions, um, and scale and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I'd rather, you know, go back to school and and start another band uh, where people didn't care about going on tour and yeah didn't care about that kind of stuff and just wanted to rip twelve times a year and yeah and uh, you know and that's how Old Wise was born really yeah yeah absolutely and so are you still doing that now or no. Just on to the next. I wish. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Old Wives is great. No. Um, you know, I'm uh, 
myself and and my ex, uh, I guess, were the primary songwriters sure. in Old Wives, and and that was sort of the uh, the, the the death of that. I, that. I haven't done um haven't done a band since. Yeah, yeah. Um, so well, I didn't mean to uh, bring up stuff that uh, may have you know. So Why are you I trying get... to make me cry over here, bro? <laughs> I've been there. I've been the worst. I get it. I know. I know the feeling. Um. So let's uh let's start to wind down a little bit. Um. Furnace Fest, playing Furnace Fest can be big. Yeah. 20-year anniversary, how, how to start a fire. Kind of tell me how this kind of materialized, what else is in the future. I know you're obviously doing this for fun now and being able to play shows with the guys, and you guys are in different head spaces, a lot more mature, like you said. So just kind of tell me how this is is uh, lining up. Are you doing any other shows? And just let's just talk about that for a little bit, and then we'll uh, shut it down. Yeah, so how did Furnace Fest materialize? I, I've been wondering that since they came back into the fold the last couple of years. Uh, and it's been amazing. I mean, Furnace Fest is the coolest festival ever uh, to me. I, I am not a huge festival playing fan. I'll be honest sure. about it. Um, it's it sort of harkens back to like the, the reason I got in the scene in the first place was that really exciting sort of uh, mm-hmm. non-division between yeah. uh, band and, and crowd play the festival and you got that crazy barrier situation going on. Yeah. Um, and Furnace Fest just has this incredible sort of community vibe. I mean, you've been there. Uh, sure. So it's, it's very uh, almost like a commune kind of. Like, yeah, it really is. It really oh is. God. Awesome. It, it's, it's got, it's just such a fun thing. And we, we played a couple of them back in the day and we, we were gearing up to play Two of the two of the three of them now, um, and I hope they continue on because uh, I'll go as a spectator. Uh, sure. I was planning on going last year. I had a I had a work conflict. I couldn't get out of, um, but I'll, I'll I'll go next year if they do it again. And, and we don't play, but um, yeah, how to come about? I mean, uh, I guess chatting with, with Chad Johnson, yeah, uh, um, the greatest dudes on the planet, yeah, um, and. You know, it's a festival that we want to play. Um, it's a festival we feel it's a place, I guess, that we feel connected to uh, yeah. further anyways. Um, kind of like, I hate to get like whatever about it, but like spiritually, right? Like we, we have a, a deep connection to that sort of environment and memories of playing it back in the day. And it was, it was something we always looked forward to playing. Yeah. Um, when they had it every year back in the day. And, and it's certainly something we, we talk about and look forward to now. Um, I think they, they run an amazing festival. Now the lineups they've been putting together last I know, couple of years. Bonkers. Incredible. Um, and, a, and a huge testament to, um, to honestly, the, the, the whole staff, uh, yeah. uh, everybody that they, you know, they're, they're just such great dudes, uh, you know, and, and they treat, you know, the band's like family, kind of yep. like they always had back in the day. And I think that's really, really important. Um, they see us as uh, as people, not just money. commodities, money. Yeah. right? No, yep. not just money. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's important, and it shows. Um, I think that's why a lot of us want to play it sure. year after year. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're stoked. Um we will not be playing any songs off How to Start a Fire. 
so for those of you uh, who will be going, um, you can expect, you know, that. Sorry. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just covers, I think, this year probably. <laughs> um, talking about a couple of covers. Um, yeah. And then as far as other shows, I mean, yeah, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about some stuff. Um, there's, there's honestly, there's, there's all kinds of stuff floating around right now. Nothing is, is uh, perfectly set in stone. So I don't want to make any uh, strong announcements on anything yet. Sure. Uh, uh, until, until that stuff is inked. Yeah. Uh, so speak. Um, but yeah, there, there's certainly some stuff uh, floating out there. Um, I think we all, uh, want to continue, whether it's this year or, or, or next, yeah. uh, want to, um, I don't think we could call ourselves geriatric quite yet. So <laughs> it will probably have to happen in the next, at least couple of years before sure. one of our books give out and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, I think we're all in a place, I think, um, or not, I think I know we're all in a place where we're, we're enjoying playing with each other. It's great. Um, and enjoying sort of uh, reliving these these songs with each other, and I mean, we even still—not that this says anything, because we've been saying this for the last ten years—but man, we should, you know, try writing another song or oh something. Oh my! Oh my! Uh, again, that means nothing because we've been saying that for ten years, <laughs> uh, and 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 who knows? But yeah, no, I think every, everybody's in a really great place with each other. Yeah. We're, we're all. Um, you know, we we love each other and, and we say so now, which is which is good. It's great. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been it's been great. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I, I want to announce anything that that's not not set in stone. Uh, it could just be Furnace Fest. I you know, yeah. I, I'm not sure. We're all, we're all grown ass dudes with like jobs and families and sure, and, sure and dogs and so many things to wrangle that it's it's hard to to sort of get everybody steering in the same direction and and even in the same boat at some points uh these that but yeah i think when when the opportunities come up and and everybody uh has the ability to do it we're there that's awesome um, absolutely so so who knows what the future has in store? But I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a second win this year, next year, and yeah, creative output happens. Or that'd be I, great. I, it, it would be interesting to hear it now. You know, not you guys are older. It's just it'd be interesting to hear it. So, yeah. dude, that is. I really appreciate this, man. This has been so cool. I really. Yeah, I want to thank you for being a part of a record that I probably the rest of my life will enjoy. You know, it's definitely holds a special place in my heart. Well, thank you for saying so. Honestly, I, I, I always find that to be like the probably the highest compliment one could give is uh, is a thank you. So so thank you very much for saying so. Yeah, absolutely, man. This has been incredible. Jason, thank you so, so, so much for coming on and uh, hope to I'll be at Furnace. So we'll get to hang out and hang out and see each other and go from there. Jeremy, I'd love that. I'll buy you a beer. Dude, hey, that's really nice. I'll buy you, I'll buy you one back. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, man. I really, really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you and see you at Furnace Fest. Wonderful. See you then. Hey. 
Hey, thank you to the listener for tuning in to this latest episode. Thank you, Jason Gleason. I really appreciate your time. It was awesome conversation. Cool to catch up and see uh, how things are going. So again, thank you, uh, listener and Jason. Um, also, uh, add me on Instagram at the rumors are true cast. Add me on Facebook, the rat podcast. If you'd like, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell anyone. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Peace.